Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club, where three old heads put their old heads together to vibe on some of the most memorable or forgettable hip hop themed movies of all time. And here's HHMC with your HHMCs, Boogie, JB, and Dino Wright. Season 5, Episode 2, Crush Groove. Written by Ralph Farquhar and directed by Michael Schultz and produced by Michael Schultz, George Jackson, and Russell Simmons. Released in 1985 and featuring Sheila E., Blair Underwood, Run DMC, Fat Boys, Curtis Blow, and New Edition. We'll answer the question... Just how deaf was the origin story of Def Jam Recordings? Crush Groove is a 1985 comedic musical film, which is a semi-biographical depiction of Russell Simmons' beginnings in the record industry as he develops Def Jam Records. In the movie, Blair Underwood plays the role of Russell Walker, whose story parallels that of Russell Simmons. He has signed Run DMC to his Crush Groove label, as well as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Curtis Blow, but money becomes an issue, as well as family and business loyalties, as well as a love interest. It's chock full of amazing early hip-hop appearances and cameos, which is the hallmark of this classic. All right, Boogie, I know you have the most experience uh, with this film early on. Why don't you kick us off on your thoughts of, of this movie? Yeah, I mean, Crush Groove is, it's one of those movies I kind of put it almost in the same realm of Beat Street, where it's like, if you're a fan of hip hop, you kind of have to have to watch it at some point to just kind of see um, the ins and outs of of uh, how Def Jam got its, itself off the ground. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's some exaggeration and some character changes made to the movie, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty accurate as far as what you would see in the beginning of, of Russell Simmons starting off the label. This movie is so fun. It's not that long and it goes by pretty quickly, but it's very fun in in the fact that you get to see a lot of hip hop greats in their early careers. Of course, Run DMC are the headliners of the movie, but you get to see the king of rock himself, Curtis Blow playing a more of an advisory producer sort of role, but he does, you do get to see some of his, his performance as well in his stage presence. So it's always good to see Curtis Blow out there. Um, the Fat Boys, their actual beginning was very similar to to this. They actually did get discovered in a Tin Pan Apple talent contest. So um, yeah, shout out to the Fat Boys. I mean, they stole the scenes wherever they were because they were, they were just comedic geniuses and, and great lyricists on top of that. So anytime that they're on, on screen, you get a, get a nice little treat from them. Sheila E., uh, she's a gem. This is another side of her that, you know, outside of her well-known uh, percussionist and, and her association with Prince. But yeah, she was a fan of hip-hop and she was kind of infused in the game. As you get to see it, she was actually on a Rush Management label as well uh, with Def Jam. So yeah, she's she's in there, and, and you get to see an early, young, and spry LL Cool J on, on camera performing one of his his songs that was made specifically for the movie Radio. And he's so energetic in in his early days, so it's always good to see him performing. But yeah, I mean, the, the movie is is great. It's not gonna gonna win like an, an Oscar or anything like that, but it's very entertaining and it goes by quickly. And I do think that 
you know, if you ever, anyone out there listening uh, gets a chance, definitely check this out and let us know what you think about it. Yeah. Uh, Dino Wright, you want to add anything early on here? Sure. I agree. It wasn't not exactly the great cinematic triumph of writing and story, but it's really fun. It's it's just so fun and all rap musical. You can't, how can you beat that? With all of these acts, that, and they're so young. Wow. 17-year-old uh, LL Cool J, <laughs> the BC Boys right at the beginning of their career. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Oh, it's it was amazing just to see. I've been wanting to get to one of these old school hip hop concerts for people like revivals. And this kind of took me to one. And some of my favorite acts of all time around DMC, Beastie Boys, they're like top five for me. And New Edition is in, kind of in the early stages. They win a contest and with Bobby Brown and the Bel Biv DeVoe guys and Ralph Tresvant. And it's just like, oh, my God, they were so young. Yeah. So young. Like, like they were kids. They were kids. Yeah. It, they were like the first maybe the well i gotta say the first boy band because you can go back to partridge family and all that whatever you know but but like the big commercialized kind of like produced boy band that yeah that was like the prototype stereo yeah 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 they were just boy band yeah (laughs) they're they're a good successor to the jackson five i think yeah yeah starting in the 80s that era like it starts with new edition i think yeah 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 and wasn't it the same like producer or founder that then founded the uh, new kids on the block because they were in the Boston area. Like that's where new edition was from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, that spawned off of like the success of new edition. But uh, I pay close attention to the intros and like, it starts off with the King of rock, the rap, you know, I'm like, yes, yes. I love this jam. And then I'm just hooked. And, and I see the name Ernest Dickerson pop up who did the cinematography. I didn't realize how, far back he went because you know he did the cinematography for do the right thing which we spoke about and he was involved with some of the other films we mentioned so yes he had a storied career yeah he was director of photography for this movie but yeah, yeah. not to be overlooked is michael schultz the director who directed disorderlies and cooley high and car wash and also directed sergeant pepper's lily hearts club band and <laughs> the jerk too which no one would think were, were no one thinks were great movies but yeah, just a heavyweight between Ernest Dickerson and Michael Schultz. You got some yeah, multiple classics. You mentioned car wash at the beginning of the, the Fat Boys working at the car wash. I think as well as Russell, they all worked at a car wash. That's how they became friends. And the, there, there was a scene where someone was spit, you know, spit on his head, head spit on top of the car, and then Master J had the DJ setup going. <laughs> yeah, that was great right at the beginning. If you caught that, and the Fat Boys like always self-deprecating humor like um the one guy's making like a either bunt cake or an upside down cake for his lunchbox <laughs> i was dying <laughs> by the way yeah that was um cool, cool rock ski had the cake yeah <laughs> <laughs> the cake in the box. It, and then in the science class it was it like they were doing the science experiments i think it was like a fetal pig and he yeah, has it on a spit pig. roasting yeah. as if he's doing like a pig roast <laughs> so good. i was dying so good <laughs> and the beatboxing behind the teacher's back and getting kicked out of class like, that was great they were such good beatboxers and uh I thought that was hilarious shout out to darren robinson shout out to buffy love <laughs> oh man yeah that was good stuff <laughs> but um there's so many songs and like it's kind of like you said it's a musical kind of so like right after that they get kicked out of class and then the fat boys do that don't you love me rap and the whole school is just jamming into it 
enjoying it. Yeah, that's, that was my song. I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. There's the family aspect of it, just like in real life. Uh, the Russell Simmons is a brother of Rev Run, right? Mm-hmm. And he's the one that kind of, you know, was the behind the scenes, the the producer. And in the film, Blair Underwood plays that role of Russell Simmons, known as Russell Walker, right? So that was interesting. And then I think you had this tidbit, Boogie, about uh, their dad being the the reverend. Oh yeah, yeah. There yeah. was yeah, yeah, yeah. Their actual father was was played the role of their father in the movie. Yeah, which, yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And uh, he's asking him for money, and uh, there was a funny line there where he's like, "Lionel Richie ain't working at no car wash." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, you're Lionel Richie? He's Prince. He's <laughs> very Gordon. Yeah, very Gordy, right? We just mentioned very Gordy." Yeah. <laughs> He was Russell was asking his dad for 5k to fill an order of like 10,000 records because King of Rock was becoming a big hit and they were producing the records and they couldn't keep up. So that's kind of the basic storyline as to like some of the conflict will will occur because they, you know, they, they're short on money to, to a kind of a startup. And along the way, they they see Sheila E performing at the Disco Fever Club and she puts on an electric performance. Her 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 songs were great. And, you know, they were talking to her about, you know, record deals and whatnot. And it was funny, you know, they, uh, Rick Rubin, who uh, was partners with Russell Simmons for all those years. And, you know, they produced the, the music for Run DMC and started up Def Jam and the Beastie Boys eventually. He plays himself in the film. Just cool. Yeah, yeah Rick is there. Hey, Rick Rubin's a legend. And uh, he, he and Russell in the movie, you know, they, they go for a loan at a traditional bank and they were kind of hesitant to say that, you know, what kind of music is like rap? <laughs> and it was kind of, I guess it was taboo. They wouldn't give him a <laughs> little did no. they know, you know, yeah, that they rap hip hop would become so huge. I looked it up. $5,000 in 1985 is about 14 K now. So imagine like not, not giving $14,000 for the birth of hip hop. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All day. Hey, I mean, People were so conservative in the 80s, so I could see that happening. I wonder if there's right. truth to that as part of the real Def Jam story, how they went to a traditional bank. And, you know, <laughs> they were kind of profiled being that these young urban guys trying to produce rap music and they wouldn't lend to them. So I looked into that. Um, so I was reading something, maybe it was Wikipedia, but there was a, they have a section about what was real or differences between film and reality. Yeah, it's on Wikipedia. Yeah, and then... According to Wikipedia, or at least according to their source, which is uh, oldschoolhiphop.com, the money issues were were made for the movie. Okay. but Yeah, he didn't borrow from a loan shark. (laughs) By the way, he went by the name of JB. No relation to me. No relation to me. (laughs) Right. I thought about that. (laughs) I'm not a loan shark slash fur trader, as it says on Fur trader. Fur trader. Fur trader. What is fighting in a French and Indian war? What is, fur trader. Oh, that's hilarious. Louisiana Territory. I know. <laughs> Let me trade Lewis some pelts. Lewis and Clark. <laughs> Let me trade some pelts for some records. Pelts. Oh, Sacagawea. <laughs> Get Sacagawea on the phone. Oh, my God. I was like, what is that all about? <laughs> Shame was business that- card. That was funny, yeah. Who was the but guy that played JB? Oh man, Richard Gant. Richard Gant. Okay. Richard Gant. Yes. 
Oh yeah. I've seen him in a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in a lot of things. He's been in he's been in a few things. Yeah. Quite a few things actually. But I remember when uh Sal, who was in the fever, told Russell from the beginning to stay away from him and not to do business with him. He said that guy's bad, bad news, you know, stay away from him. Mm-hmm. But um yeah. Russell Russell after not being able to to get the loans, decides to give JB a call. <laughs> yeah. Business with him. Bad news. Yeah. You knew that was going to come back to haul them or cause issues. It was just kind of predictable there. But uh, uh, Curtis Blow, I did the, you know, the, if I ruled the world song, which nice. what, what a resplendent outfit with the top hat, <laughs> <laughs> the Jerry Curls, the cane. Oof. He was pimping it out. I mean, Oof. yes. Our generation and even younger might know Nas's version of, you know, if I rule the world, they may not know that Curtis Blow had that song prior, which was great. Um, it made me think, you know, of all the acts that were in this movie, I feel like Curtis Blow had the smallest career. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I thought he could have should have been bigger. I feel like well, had a bigger career. I mean, Curtis Blow had a ton of albums and records i just think yeah. maybe the timing wasn't right just yet yeah for it i could see up. that yeah it was kind of was. yeah i mean he was a pioneer uh i i think so yeah I mean, he was he had a great he was a great lyricist oh yeah i love his basketball song he had oh, a, yeah, that's a great song yeah. <laughs> such a great song yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was wondering the same thing that was funny you bring that up that right it's like why wasn't curtis blow why didn't he hit it quite as big as run dmc and those guys but yeah i i think he was kind of like more mild-mannered he wasn't like self-promoting i don't think he was just there but yeah like yeah run dmc they had a larger than life persona where where um curtis blow well respected but he was very he was very mellow in his demeanor in comparison yeah, and that could probably be what it was because you know, at the beginning, you know, people were like looking for something different, it was like against the system. And and run, D- run DMC and their lyrics and their, their delivery was very in your face, like very loud. Like, ah, they they had a lot of rock behind their you know, their 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 production, so it was very ah, where Curtis Blow was more mellow, it was like not disco y, but. It was it was mellower in the delivery, and I think that's where the appeal caught on with a lot of the younger crowd that was that was catching on. Right, they wanted to emulate the persona of Run DMC because they were just like, "Yeah, we're kicking down doors. This is what we do. You don't like it, so what?" <laughs> yeah, 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 I can see that. It feels like there's more of an edge to the beats that Run DMC yes. used, and maybe Curtis Blow is like the rapper's rapper. Yeah, he's the guy with the skills, but and also, like you said, JB, he came along pretty early, and maybe mm-hmm. he walks so that Run DMC could run. No pun intended. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but, I was like, I walked right into that. <laughs> when there was so you know, that era, like more like late seventies, early eighties, Curtis Blow, Houdini, like Houdini could have become just as big. They had so many. They had a lot of great songs too. Yeah, yeah, but I think. The timing, so the economy like improved, and Run DMC, like the Beats, they had the swag. They came out with the Adidas. They had the whole package, really. Yeah, 
you even and see then, that in a film yeah yeah, yeah and they're buying yeah, like multiple that. like sets of adidas <laughs> yeah oh man those red and black johns were like Ooh. hot <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. But, like, like, but like even the way they carried themselves they, it was almost like a gangster persona like a mafia type gangster persona like they had the the blazers but they were leather blazers and then the hat and it was like very like emulating a lot of a mafia type of persona which was you know very romanticized you know in urban society you know we we watch a lot of gangster films <laughs> They 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 definitely had the every, the full package because I mean you look at the, another act that was in the movie like Jekyll and Hyde like most people don't even realize that Jekyll and Hyde was who they were you know they were pretty dope and even like Jekyll um, Andre Harrell went on to be one of the biggest people in in in, in the record biz as far as pushing the pushing the music and pushing hip hop and and just being all around like. I don't want to say like he was pretty larger than life when it comes to his his role in hip hop moving forward. If not, just as as well as Russell Simmons. Run DMC. I mean, they had really catchy songs and catchy beats that you want yeah. to beat and gets like an earworm. And it's like it's like that, and that's the way it is. Remember, you talk too much and you never shut. It's like yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they had. And then they went on, you know, obviously, and then the, the huge smash when, when they teamed up with Aerosmith, Walk This Way, that one, they went mainstream. Well, the Raising Hell album was just insane. But even before that, just... Yeah, that Raising were, Hell yeah. album really changed the game. Yeah, yeah dude. Mm-hmm. I love that one. I, I I wore that out. I don't think I knew this, but uh, Andre Harrell, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He gave, uh, he discovered Puffy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about that? Uptown Records. Uptown Records. <laughs> in in the movie, there's this guy Beaker for Galaxy Records. He's trying to get in on the cash in and offering Russell like 20k to sign over all of his acts to him. <laughs> and you know, that's very tantalizing at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of buddies up with him for a little while, but again, th- there's that familial struggle like i'm stick with my brother and whatnot and you know it all turns well out in the end but that was a beaker showing him the lifestyle that could have he's in the limo like champagne and whatnot it's kind of like a foreteller of things to come for the hip-hop game yeah yeah beaker actually he convinces them to sign with him you know he told run he's like yeah you know i made the offer to your brother and he turned it down this is what he's doing to you. Like, is he, does he have your best interests? And after Run and Russell get into it, Run decides to, you know, tell everybody else, like, hey, listen, you know, the two, you know, me, DMC, and Jay, we got to look out for ourselves. And they end up signing them. Curtis Blow, who's one of Russell's best friends, as well as one of the acts with him, goes over to talk to him and say, hey, listen, man, you know, he offered me, he gave me the same kind of offer. And Russell's like, yeah, man, just take the money, man. He's like, it's not even about the money. Like, we were we were friends before all of this. You know, what should I do? I came here for your advice, not to rub the money in your face. And Russell's like, yeah, just, just take the money. Take the deal. You know, this is over. But you can even see on his face, you know, Curtis Blow's not even happy being there. He's not even celebrating. He's just like, yeah, this doesn't even feel right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, where do you balance the money over the loyalty to your family? Right. Yeah. Well, 
You mentioned earlier the uh, the ad that a fat boy see in the newspaper, and uh, they're doing some auditions, and <laughs> they close up auditions, and LL Cool J, young LL Cool J comes, and he can be more than like twenty, early twenties or something. Seventeen. Uh, seventeen. He was seventeen there. Oh my god! Yeah, the Kango hat, and he just ripped off that "Can't Live Without My Radio," <laughs> and, uh, which was like you said, it was written for this movie. I hadn't, I didn't realize that. That was awesome. Yeah. But it was crazy how that, that whole scene, every time I look at it, I notice something different. Yeah. I remember the first thing I noticed is like when he comes, like they're, they're um, saying no more additions and he kind of just walk on by. Jam Master Jay jumps up and puts his hand in his jacket. Like he was about to, like he, he was going to grab a gun. I noticed that right <laughs> away. Like, is he about to start? Yeah. And then I think like <laughs> even after he finished his performance, they were like, man, listen, you was about to shoot him. <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> that just makes it so amazing that Russell Simmons, who was behind the production of this movie, put this on film and, and yeah. LL Cool J at age 17 and New Edition and all those guys that became so big and Beastie Boy, like this is all documented for us to see here. It's just like, yeah, I'm just blown away. Yeah, it's like a time capsule. Yeah, I said Maurice White back uh, earlier. It's actually Maurice Star. I got the my Maurice is mixed up. Okay, right. Maurice Star was the one who New Edition and um, New Kids on the Block, and but and I, I also remind. I forgot to mention that new edition was supposed to be a new edition of the Jackson Five, so that's where that yes. name came from. So, uh huh. So nice. Not an accident. So the the first talent show, new edition wins it, and uh, that was that was funny. Um, and then they had that silly scene, the the buffet scene with the fat boys. <laughs> All you could eat for three ninety nine. Man, they housed that place. And it was Sabaro. just. Those, that was that was real. That was real. I remember the Sabaros having that. <laughs> yeah. Man, they took plate after plate after plate, and they even had like the the bagged salami and the cheese that strung up. <laughs> they so ate good. so much that the manager tried to charge them more money. Yeah, yeah, and they ran out. So, so that was the one. One, well, I have a couple different gripes because I guess it's, it's kind of like cheesy, but. How could they run after that feast? <laughs> Man, I was totally expecting them to throw up when they got to the end of that scene. Like, are they yeah. supposed to, now they're supposed to barf. Like, what happened? <laughs> you guys are like these guys are eaters. no physical condition. They just ate probably in the <laughs> ten thousand calorie range each. Yeah, really. <laughs> and they just literally sprinted down the couple blocks to, to escape the manager of the Sabaro. <laughs> I was like, that's not realistic, but and it was, it was funny. It's almost cartoonish kind of eating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And when Beastie Boys comes out with, she's on it. And I think that yeah. was produced really for this, for the soundtrack as well. And she man, those guys were young. Right. They were teens probably too in this movie. Yeah, I would think because this is probably this is this is released in '85, right? And this was probably slightly before the License to Ill album came out. Yeah, I'm looking it up. So... Yeah, I think. I mean, I remember listening to License to Ill in in '86. Yeah, yeah License to Ill came out in '86. 
Right. Yeah. So this this crazy that this movie was was released was it October of eighty five? October eighty five, and then yeah. License Illa was November of eighty six. So right, and I know she's on it was not on um, that album, so it was like really like an EP or LP, whatever, like single for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, just taking back real quick to to that whole scene with the um, with the Fat Boys. Like they were originally going by the by the moniker the Disco Three, but after that whole All You Can Eat episode, you know they decided to embrace the fact that they were indeed fat and that they were going to be calling themselves the Fat Boys moving forward. Because even when they performed, you know the, the Pump It Up Get Funky song at the contest, they were kind of reserved in how they performed. Whereas you know New Edition was all over the place. They were they were doing it. So if, you know New Edition won. Rightfully so, they had a better performance, better stage presence. But, you know, they were upset and Curtis Blow saw them and said, hey, listen, you know, if you guys show up at the next show, I mean, sometimes they need an alternate. And if they do need an alternate, I'll make sure to get you guys in. You know, luckily, you know, for them, New Edition did have to cancel because they had some kind of contractual obligation in in L.A. So they couldn't perform and they were in the right place at the right time. And Curtis Blow held held up his end and got them their break and and let them into that that finals for that contest where they 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 embrace their robustness <laughs> and perform their their title song fat boys and they tore it down everybody went nuts for that song <laughs> yeah but and that thing that whole thing where they changed their name you know, after the buffet that was obviously i you know fabricated for the story as oh, well because yeah. i think when we covered disorderlies, we talked about, I think, how they got their name. I thought it was a manager or like they they ran up this huge hotel bill or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they were on tour. Yeah, they were on yeah. tour in Europe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And tour in Europe and they ran up this hotel and they called them fat boys and they, they stuck with them. But yeah, that, that was funny. In a way, it's a good little example of fat positivity. So even though it's not actually how it happened, um, yeah. it's, it's nice to portray in film. Yeah. It, there was a scene I might may skip past it uh, out of sequence here, but when uh, Run DMC was supposed to come on stage, but they introduced Sheila E. Yes. Instead, Sheila E. tore it up, but Russell was ticked off about that and confronted uh, Run about that. That that was a point of contention between them. Saying, "Why you have to let me know if you're ever going to do something like that?" The crowd is expecting Run DMC. And they come out, he comes out just to introduce Sheila E. However, following that, I think that's when Run DMC came out and, and uh, yeah. Ren tore had it the, down. With- Ren had the chip on his shoulder after after that whole confrontation. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to let everybody know that it was his house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, listen, man, they have to scream and run DMC. <laughs> not, not, not Russell DMC. <laughs> hmm and <laughs> they bring yeah, this is my mf home uh whose house runs house he gets the crowd all hype and then he goes to, it's like that and that's the way it is which is awesome yeah and then you see the um the friction to the kind of mini love triangle where run is really into sheila e but sheila kind of rebuffs him and then she kind of goes she goes home with russell and obviously, you know, the, the brothers have that kind of awkwardness to them. But then towards the end, you know, there's the realization that she likes Russell 
uh, where she only sees Run as kind of a brother figure. Yeah. Run is like, yeah, I remember. He, he looks at Russell, he's like, she likes me, but she likes yep. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Over the money situation, as Curtis Bloke kind of roughs up Russell, right? And then that force Russell goes see and goes to see Sheila E like at 3 a.m. towards the end. JB's henchman. Yeah. 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 Did you, well, did I you saw it. Well, I don't know if I'm getting confused. Full force, full force beat up. This guy from full force ended up beating yeah. Russell towards the end as well. Yeah. They 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 they, they roughed him up in, in the club. Yeah. And then they said we're gonna we're gonna come back for you if you don't give get the money to um in a day, and then Russell went in the hiding and ran straight to Sheila's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the, the Force MDs come on with Tender Love. When that yes. song came on, my eyes lit up like no way. I haven't heard that song in years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of the great slow jams. Oof. Yeah, a couple of those guys have just recently been passing away too. On the Force MDs. It has a quintessential classic 80s like R&B slow jam right there. Tender Love. We should put that into the show notes or YouTube for that. But it's funny, Full Force, that's kind of like the house party connection. That's where they, yeah. the villains in house party. Yep. Yep. And they referenced the Crush Groove in, in House Party too, or House Party also. Yeah, that was Z- Zilla and Stab. <laughs> house Party. Good <laughs> recollection, yeah. You know, Run goes to see Russell as he's healing up, and they reconcile. And you know, Run's been making you know, you know, making some good money on his own, and uh, he ends up giving money to Russell to re- repay his loan to, to JB, and kind of washes hands of that situation. And then you know, all is good at the end. Oh, the other funny scene I remember when uh. When the Fat Boys win that second talent contest in Pan Apple, remember when they, they were so excited that the second place prize was oh, the, new, the, stereo. the new stereo equipment. So yeah. as they're even announcing the winners and that, that guy, Chad, <laughs> who wasn't really that great, right? Um, Chad. He, he starts like stealing that stereo equipment from him. And meanwhile, the first place prize was the was the record deal. And they're like still fighting for the stereo equipment. He's like, get over here, man! Get over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's comical. And, and Mark and, and Marky D finally got the girl that he had a crush on. And he out there making out with her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and stole stole her from a very muscular, yeah, you know, real diesel guy. <laughs> yeah, that broken, guy was man. like a wedge. He was so he was, he was like <laughs> he had the upper body, and then it came down exactly like a. That guy was like of a textbook. <laughs> yeah. Well, they all all the fat boys got women in the end. And it's funny is they they kind of came full circle because yeah. remember they were shut out of that disco fever club, I think. They had the fake IDs. And then yeah. then he kind of like charmed the bouncer a little bit by being able to rap and beatbox. Like, okay, I, I you guys can come in. But then well, he's like, like, Oh, it's a ten dollar cover charge, and that was a little bit too steep for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they couldn't afford to get in. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Another thing I did notice too was um, when 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 Russ was having the the difficulties, his money issues, trying to figure out how to pay pay um, JB back, he came up with the epiphany that hey, we're going to record Sheila. 
So he runs over to Rick and is like, Rick, come on, man. Let's get ready. We, we got to record Sheila. So they actually record Sheila Sheila, and press some records to, to, um, to get Sheila out there. But JB had already started blackballing Russ and told every, nobody to play his record. So everywhere Russell was going, nobody wanted nobody would play the song. So yeah, you got a you got a hit on your hands, but you can't make any money off of it. And yeah. you can't make any money off of it to pay the loan back. So now the guys, you know, saying, Hey, how's my how's how's our record company going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you know, don't make me, you know, drop you to your knees, Russ. <laughs> you know, threatening Russ, but um luckily, you know, after his his henchmen rough Russ up, you know, run came through with the funds and, and cleared that all up. But I was like, wow, he can't even make any money because they don't, they won't even play anything from him. And Sal told him again, he's like, I told you at that point, I told you, he's I like, told I you not to mess with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, he did, he definitely told you, I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him tell you, I saw him tell you. <laughs> Sal's right. That's about right. We're on the tape. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for him because you could just you could see the stress on his face. Mm-hmm. Everywhere he went, JB was there looking at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. I'm gonna wrap you in a fur and drop you in a river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the climax though of the movie though was after everything gets clear and then they all end up at the fever together and they, they perform that that the, the the title track. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fresh grooving. <laughs> Man. Yeah, that's what I whenever I heard that Move title, on. I just keep thinking that song. That's a great song. It has all all of them performing on it. Um, yeah. I think that song that song is actually I made a one of one of my um throwbacks. Crush Groove is mm. on is on the is on the throw up the first one. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah, I have a copy of that. And it, yeah. it started with Fab Fab Boys Go First on that, and then Run DMC, mm-hmm. Sheila E, Curtis Blow. <laughs> I thought funny seeing the credits, one of the Fab Boys is doing the worm. And yes. the worm. I was like, What? Buff um, is doing yeah, the worm. Buff. Yeah. And LL was dancing. LL He was, was there, yeah, dancing. yeah. Yeah, but there's some other. You want to talk about some of the other cameos? Um, what you know about Donnie Simpson, Boogie? Oh, Donnie Simpson was my main man. Yeah, he he was the ten pair apple contest MC at the um the finals. Ah. But Donnie Simpson was um Mr. Video Soul and all of those you know fabulous back in the day um BET shows that he was on. He was a, one of the original VJs. From back in the day, um, yeah, yeah. Donnie Simpson's the man. <laughs> yeah, he he was recruited by Robert Johnson, the founder of BET, to host that Video Soul show, which was a the net their primetime music video show. And he had all these interviews and uh, specials with like mega stars like Stevie Wonder, Prince, yeah. Jay Z, you know, Notorious B.I.G., David Bowie, Mariah Carey. Like he was the man. Uh, yeah, he still might be on the radio yeah. out there. Yeah, he, in I DC, think I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he's still. I think he's still going. Yeah, yeah, he's a legend. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we mentioned the full force guys, but um, Russell Russell Simmons is actually in here as well. Yep. He's um he's Croc. He plays Crockett. 
he was the, the guy at the at the the show where that was harassing Russell well Blair Underwood's character, Russell Walker. Where where are they at? Where are they at? And then they show up and they put Sheely on stage and yeah, that was that was actual Russell Simmons was actually in the movie. <laughs> I remember when I first saw it, I, I didn't know that until I got a little older and I saw his face. And I'm like, wait a minute, that was first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just a reminder, we mentioned New Edition, but for the younger generation or the folks that may not know, I mean, that whole band, megastars, you know, Bell Biv DeVoe were all in there. Ricky Bell, Michael Bivens, Ronnie DeVoe, Ralph Tresvant, and Bobby Brown. Who, yeah. Know, everybody should know. I was talking about new edition with some some people that I, that, I, that I know and like you know this big thing now is the versus. I said like, new edition could do a versus against themselves. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, you know Ralph has a solo career, Bobby had a solo career, Belbiv DeVoe obviously had their group success, and then you have the whole collective of new edition. Yeah. You know, and then add to the mix Johnny Gill. Johnny Gill. Yeah. Well, he was he wasn't a member at the time, but he's had a solo career as well, man. New Edition could do a versus against themselves. <laughs> but it's good to see them in their younger age, you know, their younger years in uh Crush Who, you know, full on shiny suit before Diddy was wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where we got the idea from. <laughs> What was you guys your guys' favorite new edition song? I'm torn between Cool It Now and like Mr. Telephone Man. Like they were both such iconic yeah. songs. I think it's Mr. Telephone Man for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite might have been Cool It Now. I at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know it's like crazy. Cool I had that I had that album on wax mm-hmm. at Ryder, and it was one of my records that got stolen. Oh man. And I never replaced it. I, my thriller album was in there as well, but I have another thriller. But my my off the wall, my thriller and that new edition album were in that were in that that collection that got stolen, and I never replaced that new edition one. Dang. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna turn that on later. That's a whew. Oh, man. They had, they had a lot. Oh, that whole album was good. That was a great album. You know what, you know what song just came to my mind as we were talking about New Edition LL Cool J was Around the Way Girl where he said, LL's like, talk about the girl with the New Edition Bobby Brown button on your sleeve. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, yep. connect the dots. <laughs> Back from Crush Groove. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I always like some of the tracks that Bobby Brown had on, on his, in his solo career where, where he would start rapping ooh, at the end of those. <laughs> like yeah. every little step. I mean, every, if, yeah. every little step you take, I used to know that whole rap part at the end. Like, yep. I drive a 550 SEC. When I'm on the mic, you got to see me. I mean, yes. we used to sing it all the time. That was a great song and video. With the big, like, yes. white block letters and stuff. White oh, letters, man. Yeah. One of my favorites. Oh, yes. so good. And that's song. a good song. Woof. Great song. Yeah. That's a good yeah. song. Yeah, every, every little, little step, step, my prerogative. My prerogative. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, every little step is like one of the best songs on our own listened. from the Ghostbusters 2. Oh, yes, Bobby has some hits, great song. Man. Yeah, Ooh, every little step is so good. Yeah, so every little good. step is a great song. Yeah, oh, so good. I love that song. He had me wondering what a tender Roni was. I was looking up Chef Boyardee to try to find. <laughs> <laughs> 
You gotta find that can that Bobby talking about. What's this tenderoni stuff, man? I had beefaronis as a kid. <laughs> that really is like a, a marketing opportunity. Like, you really should start putting out tenderonis. I would eat it. You oh, know, yeah. That's a good, like, winter kind of <laughs> tenderoni. Heat them up, tenderoni. eat them up, as my man Travis says. Like, <laughs> heat them up, eat them up. It's funny, you know how people people speak in movie quotes and stuff like that. I mean, like whenever I hear these names, I kind of speak in some of the hip hop quotes. Like like Tribe Called Quest is like some of our favorites, and it's like remember in the one song, it's like check Ralph Tresvant for sensitivity. Sensitivity, yep. yep. <laughs> I can't yeah. ever Ralph Tresvant's name is check Ralph Tresvant for sensitivity. Is exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I swear that somebody references Johnny Gill just as my, 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 you know, like in one of the lyrics and I can't yeah. picture it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, Good it's, stuff. it's amazing how everybody's kind of cross-referenced and indexed somehow. Yep. Oh, the web is very but, intricate. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> there were some guys uh, I see in the cast that I don't really know much about. Sweet G was the Fever DJ and How Montog, Danceteria DJ. I don't know if these guys were bigger than that, but hmm. Be Fine. Yeah, yeah, Be Fine was that was the yeah, Be Fine and Paul Anthony, those were the guys from Full Force. Oh, they listed as Paul George, like the basketball player. <laughs> Paul George <laughs> in the cast that I found. Um okay, there's full force. Oh uh, yeah, 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 he is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but if you are an old school hip hop fan, this is a must see. I regret not seeing it sooner. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. I also appreciate that the uh, stereo from the, the the prize was from Crazy Eddie. Yes. <laughs> Crazy Eddie. <laughs> yes. What a throwback! What a what a East Coast New York throwback. <laughs> Crazy Eddie. I remember those ads. Crazy Our prices Eddie. are insane. <laughs> he got busted for uh, embezzlement or something. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he had uh, the real had crazy legal Eddie. issues. Yeah. yeah, legal issues. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then there was other acts that tried to emulate the success of New Edition, like Another Bad Creation. Remember those guys? Yeah. Oh yeah. And there was another. They were another actually show. founded by um, Michael Bivens. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Are they the ones that saying Aisha? Yes. Yep. Uh, at what the is, playground. You know, yeah, at the playground. You know? Playground. That was a pretty good song too. Yeah. 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 Aisha and playground were good. Aisha. And I remember What's now. Um, <laughs> Chris Cross dissed them on their big hit jump. Remember. Mm-hmm. Don't try to compare us right. to another bad little fad. Uh huh. Because they were being compared to another bad creation. And Crisscross yep. wanted to have a little bit more street cred because they were like really rapid. You know, like maybe we can go down the rabbit hole for a long time. Uh, yeah. I mean, besides, like, we've, we've talked about this before with movies from that era where. Um, there is still a lot of homophobia and fat phobia, but you know, if you contextualize it enough uh, properly, then you can still enjoy the movie. But it's just a very enjoyable, fun little romp. 
Yeah, one thing I have to do, I, I didn't even realize until after I finished watching it again. Because I watched it again last night just because I was just like, all right, let me just make sure that I just watch it again. Because I, I just enjoy it. But the DVD has to has a, an option to watch it with commentary. And I was like, oh, man, I should have watched it with that on. Because <laughs> the commentary is um, from Blair Underwood, um, the director, Michael Schultz, and... Um, Source Magazine senior editor Brett Johnson. I'm like, oh man, I, I would that would have been pretty cool. See what they had to say. So now I gotta I gotta go back and watch it again, like the third time in the, in like a one week period, <laughs> but with the commentary on. I was just looking up now that the guy that played Beaker Charles Stetler, he had something to do with Disorderlies also. Hmm. He was a producer and actor, and he was known for Crush Groove, Who's the Man, and Disorderly. We got to, I think we got to put Who's the Man on our list if it's not on already. Also. Oh, yeah. Who's the Man? Yeah, yeah. I I've always wanted to see that because I'm a fan of Dr. Dre and Ed Lover, but I forgot yeah, about that movie. Let's we'll get that on, on the list. <laughs> yeah, I think he produced, he was one of the producers of Disorderly and Who's the Man. Um, and then he was the actor, Beaker, in this Crush Groove. He was tied into this crew. Nice. I did enjoy in the beginning. <laughs> Buff Love is ironing his shoelaces. Yes, that made me laugh. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. I did. I did that before with the fat laces because yes, the fat, the fat laces. laces. The fat yes. laces. They would twist. So you had to keep them perfect. You had to keep them flat. And when you were putting them in your shoes, you have to take your time because they would twist. <laughs> Art imitates life for real. Yeah, for real. For I definitely real. did that before. <laughs> oh, those fat laces were the thing in the mid '80s. Oh man, I loved those. I had a few different colors combinations. I had a blue and orange one. I had red and black. Those, those were awesome. Yeah. We used to call them New Yorkers. I don't know if did you guys ever hear them referred to as New Yorkers? The no. laces. Oh, huh. nah. Maybe that was a Philly area thing. I don't know. There was yeah. a place. Uh, by me in Levittown, PA, called I-95 Marketplace. It was a big indoor flea market. And they would, oh, yeah. They sold, they sold a ton of different unique items, but like all the 80s nostalgia stuff, I would get there. The stickers for your sticker books, the fat laces. It was oh, just perfect. It was, it was a perfect place for <laughs> awesome. it. I think my, my favorite fat laces were I had a pair of, um, I had a pair of lime green and black ones. And the lime green glowed in the dark. Oh, those were my favorite fat laces. I remember I those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, glow in the dark was a thing back then. Put them on some black and white kicks and have them glow. <laughs> I bet you can probably find them online. They had that oh, yeah. same weave interwoven pattern. I could picture it. You know, I have to kind of Google it later, but there's fat laces. And you never tie it. Don't tie your shoes. You don't tie them. You just they just lay horizontally across like about four rows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Good memories. <laughs> did we enjoy the music? Obviously, we kind of talked about it already. We did. We did enjoy the music. Yeah. We sure yeah. did. Yeah. I yeah. Did. Yeah. The music was great. I mean, I st- I had the soundtrack on wax. I still have the soundtrack on wax. <laughs> <laughs> it still plays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holly Rock was the one song by Sheila E. She did. Um, rock, she did a rock, Holly Rock. Yep. 
Yep. And uh, I don't think a plot could be made today. I, I don't think, I mean, the origin story of Def Jam, I guess you could do it in a more realistic fashion, but this yeah. was just. A that to be a more piece. serious version of it. Yeah. <laughs> but doing That's kind of what version. I said too. Yeah. 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 So the semi-biopic, but yeah, tweak it, make it more realistic. Yeah. That's basically what I said. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's from what we read, the budget was $3 million for this, and it made $11 million at the box office. Solid. Good work by them. Yep. All right, let's do our ratings. So, uh, Boogie, bring that funky flick back. Bring that funky flick back. Or leave it in the vault. (laughs) Bring that funky flick back. Absolutely. Dino right. Bring that funky flick back. Yes, definitely. Bring that funky flick back. I wish it was more readily available. It was hard, too hard to find again. A lot of these <laughs> I should be into Amazon Prime again. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta pay to stream this on most services. Yep. Unless you're like Boogie and you have the collection. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> He just showed an MD, a DVD on the, on the call. <laughs> <laughs> Readily available. Arms reach. <laughs> Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMCs. JB, Boogie, and Dino Wright. Theme music by Boogie. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. On the next episode of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast, your HHMCs will review 8 Mile. It drops in two weeks. Subscribe today in your favorite podcast app and you won't miss it. Shout out to your listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, don't hate Orchestrate. Mm, orchestrate. Yes. Shout out to Brain Freeze Trivia in the Lehigh Valley. Check out the Instagram, brain underscore freeze underscore trivia double underscore time. That's Brain Freeze Trivia time on Instagram.